your Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Hey, welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. I am your host, Patrick Kahn. You can follow me on Twitter at PatSportsGuy. Follow the co-host, my esteemed co-host, Cammy and G on Twitter. Follow the show, LO underscore Longhorns. Cammy, let's dive right on into the show we got we got a lot to talk about we got a lot of football news watch list coming up uh field steals football magazine is out we're gonna talk a little bit about what he's saying about the texas Longhorns. but first i want to briefly mention that tom herman is recovering from shoulder surgery so you can add him to the long list of long surgery over the off season i know i guess technically now is probably the best time he has to do that with everything going on but yeah I was a little surprised about that I've never even heard of any type of mention of him even having shoulder issues so um, I'm glad he got that taken care of when he could yeah it was it was interesting I, I guess when I saw the report that he was recovering from surgery I was like oh I didn't know that that was that there was actually yeah. any need for surgery but you know it makes sense that's time to do it right now uh, there's been a lot of talk and in, in recently talking about the schedule. We're trying to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Chris Del Connie's come out and he's saying full schedule, ready to kick it off September 5th. Uh, you know, and in that email that he sent out to ticket holders said that they will be at 50% capacity at Darrell K. Royal Texas Memorial Stadium. Yeah, which I actually like how vocal he's being and trying to salvage and on conference games and just move on as is. So, um, I don't know. It's it's hard to try and figure out any type of route they would go um, outside of that full 12 game schedule, just because um, obviously we've mentioned the Big Ten and conferences like that are already coming out and saying they're not playing those non-conference games. So it'd be interesting to see what they do if the Big 12 were to move forward with a full 12 game schedule. So did a team, in your opinion, did a team like the or not a team, I should say a conference like the Big Ten, did they jump the gun a little bit? I think so, because we kept mentioning that it's such a fluid situation. You don't really want to make a decision too early or too late. So you kind of just have to ride the wave and uh, see how things are progressing or not progressing at the time. And we always mentioned that the end of the July, end of July, I guess you should say that everyone would have a better idea on how to move forward, I think, in terms of the numbers of uh, the pandemic and things like that. And uh, whether it's possible to play under those health and safety precautions and measures and things like that. And um, that's definitely what the Big 12 is trying to do. So um, I'm really glad they're taking their time on this and um, just not following suit to what the other uh, primary conferences are doing. And the reason I bring up the Big Ten is it was reported today that the, I guess the TV people who mm-hmm. they do their TV deals with want more games. Yeah, exactly. So, they, they want I mean, that money. Exactly. Yeah, I, I understand that part of it. But it's just interesting. It's like, well, we canceled these games for the health and safety. Now your TV, Now your TV deal that you have set in place, they're coming back. Network is coming back and saying we want more football games. So what was the point of canceling those games unless you're just going to go with a full Big Ten 12-game schedule? Yeah, I think they jumped the gun a little early, like you said. I think every, I guess, um, schedule, I don't know, like let's say um, just conference games, um, which would eliminate the non-conference games, the full 12-game schedule, the um, nine-game, like we 
about to talk about in terms of the Big 12 with one non-conference game. So I think every option should have still been on the table for them. And I, I kind of think every, uh, at least the Big Five in terms of those conferences should have made um, the decision kind of at the same time. So it just seems weird to me because what if the Big 12 were to play that full 12 game schedule and then um, what's the Big 10 going to do? You know, are they going to backtrack and um, end up playing their full schedule? Or are they still going to stick with the conference game? So it's just a little weird to me. Yeah, it at a time like this where everybody needs to be in uniform and in, you know, in unison and they're not And So, you know, that's interesting to me. And yeah, you brought up the nine game schedule. Uh, Brian Davis of the Austin American Statesman was tweeting about a nine plus one schedule for the upcoming season. Essentially the big 12 would play their nine game round Robin season. Like they normally would with one game uh, being non-conference. And, and, you know, it makes you wonder which, who would be that game? Uh, let's see the South Florida Bulls. You could go ahead and nix them out. Go ahead and take them out because of the amount of travel right. and the fact that Florida and Texas both are seem like hotbeds right now when it comes to the coronavirus. And then you look at their third game, which is UTEP. Mm-hmm. UTEP would have to travel over 576 miles. Whereas if Texas was to go play that game in Baton Rouge, that's only 431 miles from Austin. So when you look at the mileage on it, it's closer for them to go to, excuse me, closer for them to go to Baton Rouge. So it makes me wonder, would Texas and LSU be that one game? Yeah, I think without a doubt it would. And I think that's why, uh, or at least a primary reason why they're trying to save those non-conference games um, throughout any conference is because you do have those games like Texas and LSU, which, I mean, two highly rated teams, all the hype's going to be there. Um, The TV network is obviously going to bring in a lot of money on that game. Um, It's not too far of a travel for the Longhorns to go out there. Obviously, they want some revenge from last season's uh, nail-biter game. So, yeah, I think that's uh, probably one of the top games within all of college football, not just for Texas. Yeah, to me, I think that would be the game that you'd want to keep on the schedule, obviously, is that let's just say that the SEC went with something similar. Is that the game that they would keep on their schedule? Would Tennessee continue to play Oklahoma? Uh, you know, so there, there's a lot lot there that they're going to have to work out. Uh, but, you know, it's it's an interesting thought of doing a nine plus one schedule. Uh, another item that Brian Davis brought up is the idea of a home and home game between Texas and OU, meaning in 2020, Texas will travel to Norman, Oklahoma to play the Sooners. And then in 2021, the Sooners would return the favor by coming to Austin and then hopefully returning back to the Cotton Bowl for their annual rivalry in the 2022 season, which is interesting to me because this game has been played in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Every game has either been played in Dallas or at AT AT&T Stadium for their lone Big 12 Conference Championship matchup. But this dates back all the way to 1923. November 17, 1923, the Sooners went to Austin and Texas beat them 26 to 14. That is the last time that that wasn't played in DFW. Yeah, I don't really understand the whole difference of the home home because let's say they're trying to limit travel. That's kind of, I mean, both teams, I don't know, because Texas is still going to have to travel to Norman and Oklahoma is still going to have to travel to Austin. So why not meet somewhat in the middle at the Cotton Bowl? I just don't really see why why it would have to be a home and home um, series. Um, I'd be curious to see their reasoning behind that, I guess. Yeah, because I think the travel is the same for both or very right. similar. 
uh, as far as the amount of miles that you're going to be traveling. And, and yeah, you could do it that, but then, you know, one team gains an extra home game. One, mm-hmm. one team. Uh, well, Texas was, was already going to have to play on the road. So, you know, no change there, but the amount of travel that they're going to do. And with coronavirus, I think they're trying to limit the travel, you know, just for the, I guess, to not contract it. Mm-hmm. And so that that was interesting, but yeah. So so I was looking at it in 1923. They went to Austin the year before that. 1922, uh, they played in Norman, Oklahoma. Texas also won that game, 32 to seven. Uh, and then prior to that, it was in Dallas. But they were they went actually a a few years between matchups from 1919 to 1922 before they played again. Weird. So That's yeah, interesting it was interesting history. Yeah. It, it was interesting. I, you know, I was just taking a look at it and seeing, you know, when was the last time that they didn't play in Dallas? I don't really like the idea of it at all. Me neither. And it's, as somebody who covers the team, I really don't want to go to Norman, Oklahoma. I've spent enough time <laughs> in that place. I do not like it there. So the so if I can avoid going to Oklahoma, especially Norman, I'm going to do it. Right. And I, I just don't see the reasoning behind it, to be quite honest. I, I think it'd be safer to just keep it at the Cotton Bowl in between. Um, I mean, because Texas could just hop on 35 on a, a bus and get there in time. So I don't know. I, I doubt that would happen the home and home, but I know it's an option that's on the table. Yeah, it is on the table. Like I said, we don't really care for it, but, you know, it is what it is. All right. But coming up next, we're going to get into a couple, uh, actually three Longhorns are named to yet another award watch list. What's going on with Texas high school football? So the Football Writers of America Association has come out with their watch list for both the Bronco Nagurski Award and the Outland Trophy. The Bronco Nagurski Award is given to the top defender in all of college football in Texas. It's one of several teams that have two players listed. And I'm pretty sure you already know who they are. Oh, yeah. I, I know Asai and Stearns have to be on there. Yeah. Not a surprise at all. And not a surprise at all. I mean, everybody believes Joseph Asai is going to have a much bigger impact in the upcoming season moving to the Jack role. And so it's not a surprise to see him on there at all. Uh, you know, he's he's been added to several award watches lately. The Dick Buckus Award, uh, as well as there was the Lot Impact Trophy he's been added to. Uh, Caden Stearns recently added to the Jim Thorpe Award watch list and now the Bronco Nagurski. Uh, do you think that there's a chance that either one of those guys can actually come down with the Bronco Nagurski Award this year? Oh, that's tough because Stearns definitely has the talent. I mean, we've mentioned how he, as a true freshman, he's the Big 12 uh, freshman of the year. But uh, he he kind of has consistency problems, so he definitely needs to stay stay present on the field, that's for sure. And Asai definitely does, being in that jack role, he's definitely going to get after the quarterback. But he needs um, a huge season, probably with um, double-digit sack numbers. So, uh not, I, I don't realistically think they could. I think uh, Texas as a whole would have to perform very well, um, primarily on the back of their defense, which I don't um, think will happen for a couple of years. But um, in terms of Texas's talent on their defensive side of the roster, I think those are your two top guys. Do you know who the last Texas Longhorn was to win the Bronco Nagurski Award? No. Who was it? That would be back in 2008, Brian Arakpo. Oh, okay. I can see Osai having a somewhat similar season as Rockpo, though. Uh, and so in the history of the award dating back to 1993, the Bronco Nagurski Award has been given to two Texas Longhorns in that time. 
The other was in 2004, Derek Johnson won the Bronco. Oh, yeah. We've, we've talked about him quite a bit. Probably one of the best linebackers to play at Texas. Yeah, so we definitely need to see another Longhorn win it. So, uh, I, I honestly, if I had to pick between Caden Stearns, Brian Arakpo, I'm or I'm sorry, not Brian Arakpo, <laughs> Caden Stearns, Joseph Asai, I'm going to go with Asai. Oh, Very similar to what, he, what Arakpo did, you know, with – being that disruptive force, the pass rusher. And that's kind of how I see Osai. And it's just interesting because Brian Arako has actually come out and, and called Osai the next Nigerian nightmare. Yeah, I would have to lean Osai in that sense too. He's kind of one of those breakout players that everyone's going to recognize uh, fairly early on in the season and certain kind of a flies under the radar at times. So if I had to pick between the two, it would definitely be Osai. Well, there's also the fact that a defensive back has not won this award since 2003. Uh, Derek Strait out of Oklahoma. Uh, mm -hmm. The last safety to win it was also an Oklahoma Sooner. 2001, Roy Williams won that award. So it, it's been some time, usually it's a linebacker or a defensive lineman that wins the Bronco Nagurski Award. And then we have the Outland Trophy uh, given to the top lineman in the country. So, of course, you have Samuel Cosme on the list. Oh, yeah, that's not surprising at all. And it, his stock is actually um, increasing, believe it or not, throughout all of this. I know we mentioned uh, Bleacher Report's Matt Miller said um, he's talked to several NFL scouts and they believe Cosme, um, I guess, is within the top 10. And at, I guess in some NFL scouts' minds, the top overall uh, left tackle. So, uh, he's definitely uh, going into the season with a lot of hype, so hopefully he can uh, stay consistent, and who knows, maybe he'll be a top draft pick next season. Yeah, and the Outland Trophy day. goes to the top lineman on offense or defense, so it's in the trenches, not necessarily a offensive player. However, a defensive lineman hasn't won this award uh, in a couple of years. Actually, Quinn, Quinnen Williams of Oklahoma won it uh, prior to that, Ed Oliver, but for the most part, over the last decade plus, it's been offensive tackles uh, who kind of lead the way. Panay Sewell, offensive tackle from Oregon, viewed as the top offensive tackle in the upcoming NFL draft, won it last year. He could be another winner this year. Uh, it, you'd have to go back a ways to find a Texas Longhorn who won this Outland Trophy. Uh, I believe the last one came in 1977, but that was by defensive tackle Brad Shearer. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, other notable names that have won this, uh, Scott Appleton in 1963. In 1965, Tommy Nobis won the award. Yeah, you've talked about him quite a bit recently. Yeah, we, we did talk about him on our countdown to the season, uh, the best player to wear number 60. He, it definitely is Tommy Nobis. Uh, Cammie, have you seen recently the – High school football in Texas. I know other states such as California has postponed high school football, but in Texas, mm -hmm. it looks like Texas football will start for some on time. And for the higher levels, they are pushing it back to the end of September. Yeah, I don't I don't mind that at all, I should say. I'm very glad they came out and uh, kind of set that date for uh, teams and players and coaches and things like that to look forward to. And um, I know the five and six day schools aren't able to begin games or uh, I think meetings even until September 24th, 
But um, that's really not that bad of a postponement. I think it's about a month or so. So uh, the kids are still getting to play. Obviously, we know how important high school football is in the state of Texas. And so um, I thought that was a very uh, well thought out plan by them. You know, it's kind of interesting because I think Virginia was one of those schools that said they weren't going to do it. And then the top uh, prospect who committed to North Carolina, Tony Grimes, decided to uh, reclassify as a freshman in 2020. And he's going to college football immediately. Uh, no sense in, you know, sticking out his final mm-hmm. year of high school, I guess, because he's not going to get to play football. So he's going to go ahead and take his talents on up to Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and play for Mac Brown. You know, I thought it was interesting if Texas would have done the similar, could we have seen players such as Tommy Brockermeyer go ahead and uh, reclassify, head right to college football? You know, that that was it would have been a domino effect. I think, I think we would have seen a lot of that. If, if players, if the high schools in Texas would have done that, I think we could have seen some Texas players do the same thing, reclassify and head right into college football. Uh, Yeah. So like you said, the one a through four a can start practice on August 3rd, first game scheduled for August 27th, five a and six a, which is a majority of the high school football players. I think they said it was 80% of wow. UIL athletes come from 5 and 6A. Uh, they can start practice on September the 7th, and I think their first game is the 24th. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's going to be really interesting to see how that dynamic plays out. It's interesting to see Texas is one of those states that's, you know, been a hotbed like we've talked about, but they're going to continue with high school football. And as we all know, mm-hmm. high school football is a religion down here. Yep, it sure is. And I guess you could say football in general is king down in the state. So um, people can't live without college football, high school football. I don't know, even Pop Warner probably. But yeah, football is definitely, um, I guess, the sport that people can't live without in Texas. Uh, that That is a fact, Cammy. But coming up next, we're going to get into a couple of things that Phil Steele put into his preseason college football magazine. You, you're not going to want to miss this. Amy, did you see Phil Stills' top 25 rankings? I've been following Phil Stills, uh, a lot of his uh, information coming out lately, but I don't know if I look to see where Texas landed on that uh, top 25. In the top 25, he put Texas at number 12. Oh, okay. That's realistic because I've always uh, considered Texas to be within the um, 11 to 15 range. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's – right on par with where they've kind of been, you know, throughout college football, not overly surprised by that. Uh, He did have a team in his top five that I did not understand whatsoever. Top five of the top 25. Yes. Who? Texas A&M comes in at number five. What in the world? I see. And I I don't buy that at all. Five in the top five. There's no way. Yeah, I don't I don't buy that whatsoever, given the fact of who they're going to be playing this season, how tough the SEC is, and the fact that Texas A&M hasn't proven that they can compete with the top-tier programs like a Florida, like an Alabama, like an LSU consistently. I mean, we saw that LSU matchup last season uh, in which the Tigers just obliterated the Aggies. So it was kind of surprising to see how that shaped out the uh, – the top 10, they got Penn State at number 10. Okay. 
Are, are you with me on that one? Yeah, that's pretty realistic. They could be a little higher even, but I'll take it. Uh, they have the Ducks, the Oregon Ducks at number nine. Uh-huh. Fighting Irish come in at number eight. Okay. Uh, Georgia, seven. That's a little low for Georgia. LSU, six. A little low for LSU. Uh, we got the Aggies at number five. Mm. Sooners at four. Okay. I can do with that. And then you got Alabama three, Clemson number two, and Ohio State coming in at the number one spot. Yeah, I think obviously we mentioned Texas A&M, I don't, I don't believe deserves to be at number five, especially when you think about teams like LSU and Georgia um, that are ranked below them at the moment. So uh, I, honestly, you can make an argument that they shouldn't even be ranked higher than Texas, who is at number 11 on that list, or 12, I think you mentioned. So yeah, I think that's just writing some type of hype. There's no way, I think, talent-wise, that uh, they should be within the top ten at all, even. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't buy it. Top five for me. Uh, I think top fifteen's good. Yeah, uh, I would you know, put them like one or two teams after Texas, to be honest. Yeah, it's it's so you know when I when I read that and I because if I had to look at looking at the other teams and then it's not just because this is a Longhorns podcast and. Of course, we don't like anything Texas A&M. But when I look at teams like Notre Dame, mm-hmm. Georgia, even Penn State, I think all those teams are better than A&M. Right. Uh, they're, they're going off this hype, and uh, I just I, – I don't understand him. Is it because Jimbo Fisher is their head coach? Well, even since he's been there, he hasn't really done anything. Yeah, and so I, when I look at it, I'm like, yeah, there's no way. I'm not buying this. It's, it's except no in trouble on the recruiting trails, pretty much all he's done so far. But – yeah, I think uh, I'd really be curious to his reasoning behind that because that just seems very unrealistic to me. Yeah, it was a little un- unrealistic. Now, let's talk about his surprise teams, top four surprise teams in college football in 2020. Uh, any guesses? Well, I don't know. Well, I guess you could say Texas because they <laughs> had five losses and then. Probably that was underwhelming. So Texas is probably one. Um, I'm trying to think of who else he would probably add. Did he put Oregon in there? He did not. So uh, his number one surprise team is Texas A&M. Okay, so he's just really big on Texas A&M for some reason. He is buying into the hype. He's got Texas yeah. A&M at number one. He's got Miami at number two. Who okay. uh, are Decent led- quarterback play over there. Decent quarterback play, who are led by head coach, former defensive coordinator at Texas, Manny Diaz. Mm-hmm. His number three team, led by Mac Brown. He's got North Carolina at number Ooh. three. Okay, then, I could see that. I would actually maybe put consider UNC at number one. And then he's got Texas at number four. Uh, and, and this is what he said after Texas beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl 2018. Sam Ellinger declared we're back. He may have been a year early as my number four surprise team is the Texas Longhorns, who could ha- uh, who could take that step this year with their first Big 12 title in over a decade. Right. Texas faces LSU, Oklahoma State, TCU, and Oklahoma all the way from home, but are very talented, and the Big 12 champs, champ has made the playoffs in each of the last three years, and the Horns have the talent to take home that crown. So he's buying into Texas hype being back and challenging for the Big 12 championship in the upcoming season. I agree that Texas has the talent to uh, take home the Big 12 title. It's just a matter of consistency, and we got to see how this new coaching staff meshes. So um, 
I don't have any doubt that Ellinger is going to have a Heisman uh, Trophy contender type of season. It's just, um, I guess, a lot of unproven and inexperienced players around him. Yeah, and you know, and, and like you said, if he has that big season, he's going to break a lot of records. Uh, he could, you know, etch his name in the record books for several different categories. So, yeah, a big season for him. Not only that, puts him in contention for the Heisman. Davey O'Brien awards and obviously gives him a shot at hopefully contending for a college football playoff berth. And obviously if you win the big 12 as a power five conference, that helps, even though you got to contend with the big 10, the, the PAC 12, the sec putting in multiple teams, mm-hmm. you know, so that, it's going to be, if they can do it and be that surprise team, as Phil still is saying, uh, it's going to help out a lot, and, and hopefully Texas is able to surprise some teams and get up, get in there, get into the playoff, and finally compete. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Lockdown Longhorn Podcast. Make sure you tell your smart device to play the latest edition of the Lockdown NFL Draft Podcast. My guys, Trevor Sikama, Benjamin Solak, do a fantastic job. So go check out their podcast. Subscribe, listen, get smarter. Uh, but for Cammie, I'm Patrick. Keep it locked on. Welcome. Okay.